0: You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops, hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is the H-Town Hoops podcast with Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. We are back following the trade deadline. And, of course, we did our post-trade deadline show the last time we talked to you guys. Uh, But now the Rockets have actually played two games post-trade deadline. One, a last-second loss to the Miami Heat last week and then of course the most recent loss to uh the philadelphia 76ers the james harden led philadelphia 76ers and we can get into a little james harden stuff in a little bit but let's just start off there adam with these first couple of games obviously we expect most of them to be losses but i feel like some of the things that that maybe were concerns with the eric gordon trade or some of the things that we could anticipate that they would be missing without eric gordon it feels like they're missing immediately. Like he's an extra ball handler. He's their best three-point shooter. Uh, he's one of their better defenders or was one of their better defenders. This isn't a team that's going anywhere. But were you already able to tell and see the pitfalls of the Eric Gordon trade just in the first couple of games without him? Uh,
1: it's hard to it's hard to say because, well, listen, they are a worse team without Eric Gordon. I think that that is a given. I mean, he, is their be- he was their best two-way player. Uh, he is probably their best and most consistent offensive player. He helps them do so many different things on the floor just because he's very steady. And I, I remember bef- uh, last year before the deadline talking to somebody in their front office, and this was when it looked like they might trade Eric Gordon in, and they said, well, you know, the one thing that we notice is that when something happens with one of our young players, Eric is almost always involved. And so again, you kind of see just how they use, they would use him almost as like a crutch because if something broke down, he was there to help out and now you lose that. And you don't replace that with really anyone. I mean, you look at how their lineups look, they have slid, especially without Kevin Porter Jr. It's been Jay Sean Tate uh, filling his spot in the starting lineup. And then you've got a bunch of guys who are, very young, very inexperienced, and frankly, right now, not very good taking up those minutes. That's a huge, huge loss. And so it should not be a surprise that they have looked really bad offensively of these two games. I mean, they've got a 102 uh, offensive rating uh, over the last two games. So that's against good teams. Miami's a good defense, and uh, Philly is a very good defense as well. So uh, it should not be a surprise that they've struggled, but this is what you're going to see. And the big thing, you mentioned it, the three-point shooting. They have been a terrible three-point shooting team, especially since Kevin Porter Jr. has has uh, been out of the lineup. But you see now without Gordon, A, they don't have somebody who takes those shots, and B, they don't really have anyone who can generate those shots. And you look last night against Philly, I think they started out the game 0 for 11 or something like that from three. But what stood out, is that they they make their first three so they they're one for 11 one for 12 whatever it is but this is with less than four minutes to go in the third quarter I mean they are going th- more than three uh, more than two and a half quarters and they're only taking 10 threes I mean that's unheard of with the way that this team is run and it's really hard to win games and really hard to be a good offense if you're not getting those shots and over the last 15 games nobody has shot the ball worse from three than the Rockets they're at, I think they are at 31 percent from three. Over their their last uh, their last fifteen games, which again coincides with Kevin Porter Jr. being hurt, but they're also taking the fewest. They're only taking twenty seven, and if you want to, and it's even worse when you go by half. First half, they're taking 12 threes a game in the first half over the last 15 games, and they're only making 26% of those shots. I mean, 12 threes a game would be – I mean, James Harden could get that on his own in the first quarter if he wanted to back in the day. So it's just really hard for them to generate those shots, and those tend to be the, the easier shots that you get. So they are – I think they're really going to struggle getting guys open looks down the stretch, and this offense is not going to look very good. I mean, they have ways with Shingoon. To, to make things a little bit easier for them offensively. But I think it's going to be really hard for them to generate offense.
0: Well, and and then, Adam, I look at the early replacement now, given Kevin Porter Jr. remains out, doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, don't really have a good sense for that. But it, it, it is true so far that the replacement right now is Jay Sean Tate, who does a lot of great things. We've talked about it at length here on all of the great things that Jay Sean Tate offers to to a team. and And, and really, I was – I was surprised or I guess shouldn't say surprised because toward the end of the deadline, his name did start to get floated out there a little bit more. But that's the type of player that I feel like a a winning team would really like to have as, as a as a death piece. But you look at it now with Eric Gordon being gone and Jay Sean Tate, at least for now, especially with Kevin Porter Jr. also being out, like we mentioned, being thrust into the starting lineup and 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 also just having a, an increased role in handling the ball and being a guy that helps set up the offense and playing that effective point guard role. And he does not offer that same shooting element that Eric Gordon does. Like he does. He actually offers none. Uh, You'll see oftentimes where they won't even necessarily guard him on the perimeter. And so I guess it stands out to me, Adam, that at the trade deadline and we know where this team is right now, we understand where they are in the rebuilding phase, but at the trade deadline, they would get rid of ball handling shooting and defense in eric gordon and then also i know garrison matthews was just a kind of a fill-in rotational player but he was also you know one of the few guys on the team that could shoot they shipped him out of here and they didn't really bring anything in to replace that in terms of any of those elements that i just mentioned the shooting the ball handling the shot creation uh the the defense that's mainly with Eric Gordon there but also you know the shot stuff with with Garrison Matthews like it just looks like a it looks like a team that already was was barely trying or or you could pose some serious questions about how hard it was trying and then it just gave away everything it, just, it gave away a lot of things that it did not replace at the deadline well let's just run
1: through their three point shooters all right <laughs> because this is what they're working with right now Jalen, yeah, Green volu- Jalen Green is their Jalen Green's their highest volume three point shooter. He's at thirty three percent. Kevin Porter Jr., who is not playing right now, he's their second highest volume three point shooter. He's at thirty four point six. I mean, that's right around league average. Okay, that's one guy that's right around league average. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr.
0: is at thirty percent, and he's taking five a game. And then after Dude, that's that, gotta, is- the, 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 the the Jabari thing. Not to sidetrack, but that's got a. That That is a little bit concerning for me, and we'll talk about players I know throughout the week, throughout this episode, throughout the week. But that that I feel like right now is something that you would expect to be better, somebody that you would expect well, to be contributing a little bit more from three. For sure, it's an issue. Uh,
1: K.J. Martin's at 33%. Tari Easton's at 34.8%. Um, he doesn't take very many of them. Tate's at 29%. Josh Christopher is at 22%. Ty Ty Washington is at 16%. Dacian Nix is at 31%. There there is not a single player. Alperen Shingun doesn't take very many of them, and he's at 32.4%. There is not a single player on the floor right now who, as an opponent, you are worried about beating you from behind the three-point line. I mean, so there is going to be no room to operate in the paint. It doesn't matter who is on the floor. Uh, until Porter gets back. So they are going to have to figure out. It's going to be very difficult for them to generate offense, I think. And you saw this last night. You saw this against Miami. Again, those are two really good defensive teams. But I just think this is going to be an issue for them moving forward is just putting out some sort of an offense. They're going to have to force a lot of drives uh, in order to try and make this work. And it's going to really rely a lot on Shingun, too, making a lot of things happen. But the problem with that is now you're playing pretty slow. when when you're doing that, when you're playing that way. So uh, it's uh, you, you kind of said it. I mean, they, they didn't really do anything to help themselves at the deadline. They did nothing to help themselves at the deadline for the final, however many games that are left this season, they just made things a lot tougher uh on themselves but it will give an opportunity to other guys who haven't maybe been playing like christopher like a washington to get that opportunity just to get your feet wet a little bit and just see especially for somebody like christopher who's in his second year it's an opportunity for him to prove that he belongs on an nba floor right now
0: do you feel better before we move on do you feel better about what you've seen recently from josh christopher know he had gotten buried in the in the rotation or was buried out of the rotation wasn't playing for a while I feel better about him since a few weeks ago when we did the mid mid season awards and him being the most disappointing player uh, that you voted. At least, how do you how do you feel? Uh, I guess a couple of weeks after that,
1: about the same. To be honest with you, I uh, just yeah he, he's done a he's done a pretty good job of getting to the rim, which I think is where he kind of needs to live. But it's not like he's, you know, blowing me. You know, he had a, he had a big game against Oklahoma City um, on on February fourth, but they lost the game by thirty-two. You look at what he's yeah. done since uh, the two games against Sacramento. Um, he wasn't much of a factor. Miami, he was okay again, getting to the rim, but. Doesn't get to the free throw line very much. Only four free throws attempted in his last four games. Defensively, he's average. You know, he can get you some steals, but doesn't necessarily play well, I don't think, within the scheme of what they're trying to do defensively. And then the turnovers, too, stand out. I mean, he had two turnovers pretty quickly uh, in the game against the Six. I think he had two turnovers within his first two or three minutes in the game against the Sixers, and he doesn't shoot it at all. I mean, the three-point shooting is pretty alarming where, you know, He's not gonna take them, but he's not gonna he's shooting twenty-two percent from three. So I just that's what needs to get better with him. And I think that he knew that needed to get better. And he's not good enough on the ball. You know, he's not a good enough playmaker. So if he's not gonna be a good playmaker, then he's gotta be able to shoot. And he's not shooting. So what where exactly on the yeah. offensive end of the floor, is he is he helping you? Where where yeah. where does that come? So I, it's going to be it's a big offseason for him. I mean, they they picked up his third year option. I imagine they'll pick up the fourth year option because there's no reason not to. But unless he he's got to show something this summer, and and he's not going to play summer league, but he's got to show something in the workouts. He's got to show something in training camp. Otherwise, it's it's going to be hard to justify giving him minutes. But he does again. He's got twenty something games left this season to justify his spot on the team. But he's got to show more than what he's shown so far.
0: Yeah, man, the team is just so bad. I don't know if maybe I'm grading on a curve or what, but like all of what you mentioned is valid. I, I just feel like I, I feel like the thing that I like about him is the energy that he brings. He does bring in an energy that I like. But I mean, back to what you said, like, what is he what does he do exactly? Like he's not a point guard, but he's not dynamic enough of a score to where like you can you know, run the offense through him or really count on him to go get you a bucket. Like he can go get you a bucket, but it's not like you can count on him to do it. And so he's just sort of, he's sort of unreliable and hard to pinpoint exactly what he is. He's such a, uh, such an interesting player in that way. Cause you feel like there is a, there, there, like there's something there, but you're just kind of waiting for it to reveal itself. You know, that's kind of where and, I've and, been with him.
1: And it's going to be hard for him to just, like, get to the rim? Because I think that's probably his biggest strength right now because they have nobody to space the floor. So the paint's just going to be choked off. So how does he create offense that way? You know, he he can still drive but he's going to be driving in the walls. Does he have the ability to kick out to others to help, to make, you know, to set up his teammates. And I think that's one area where he's really struggled with. Now he's got, you know, he had two assists last night. He had two assists against Miami. He had five in that game against Oklahoma city. Again, I kind of, you know, I I take that Oklahoma city game a little bit with a, with a, with a grain of salt just because of, you know, how lopsided the game was and, you know, for the most part, you know nobody was trying in that game but uh, again it, it's an opportunity for him these last 20 something games to show that he belongs in an NBA rotation um they've struggled offensively when he was on the floor yesterday I mean he was one of six yesterday I mean that's not that's not going to work and, and he's one of six and he's only taking two threes and he's not getting to the free throw line he hasn't taken a free throw the last two games so I mean these are the things that, that need to improve for him to show that he should be a guy who should be on the floor a lot. And again, the on-ball defense is pretty good. He can get lost though off the ball. Uh, I pointed out the play uh, against Sacramento. I think it was uh, last Monday where he kind of, you know, he, he he could not um, execute just kind of their simple scheme with the help defense. So um He's got to get better. Again, it's been a disappointing season for him. But I will say the one thing that Steven Silas has consistently said about him, the attitude remains great. The work ethic remains great. Um, he wants to get better. And he hasn't kind of, you know, you, when you're when you're young and your role really dips from your first year to your second year, you can get down on yourself. You can bring everybody else down. But he but he's, has not been like that. So I think that's a big credit to him that he's shown a lot of maturity through what has not been an easy season for him.
0: Yeah, man, I'm rooting for him. Like you said, you know, the attitude is great. If by all accounts, the work ethic is great. And again, I like the energy and the effort that I see out there. But again, the kid's just got to figure out he's got to find some type of niche or something that he that he does that's reliable. And
1: this episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar.
0: So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're talking about opportunity for guys, you know, given that Eric Gordon's gone and there are some minutes that are going to open up, you know, uh, Ty Ty Washington, you know, talking about, Um, Josh Christopher and guys like that but I really feel like this is somewhat similar to the way it was at the end of last year when Jalen Green took over or kind of had that really really excellent last couple of months of his rookie year I feel like now they're going to rely on him more than they ever have you talked about him being their highest volume three point shooter not shooting it very well Hasn't shot the ball very well recently in particularly these last couple of games, save for that third quarter on Monday night against the 76ers where he went off. What did he have, like 17 points in the third quarter or something? Something. Really, he had a really big third quarter. But other than that, the kid's been shooting like, let's see, I had up here, he's shooting 28 percent over the last. Is that right? Yeah, he's shooting 28 percent over the last couple of games. And, you know, it's just. It's hit or miss, man. I think I want to say he had 29 on 20 shots or something like that the other night. Um, it's it's it it it's it's concerning the the level of inconsistency, but the one thing, and we've talked about this before, is at least he's getting to the free throw line. It shows a level of aggression and decisiveness that you know he didn't always have. And so, like, where where are you at with these last couple of games with Jalen Green? Are the the free throw attempts something that, at the very least, you can say, since he's not shooting the ball well, at least he's doing this? Well, it shows you um, just kind
1: of the the difference between his last two games because he shot the ball. Like you said, he shot the ball terribly in both games. He was 5 of 19 in Miami on Friday. He was 6 of 20 yesterday. But 5 of 19 in Miami for 11 points obviously that's really bad, 11 points on 19 shots, that's horrific. But 29 points on 20 shots last night, you'll live with that, even though the shooting was bad and the big difference was the free throws. He took one free throw in Miami, he took 17 last night. So it shows you, you can play a good game if you're not making shots, if you are doing other things. And one of those things is getting to the rim and and drawing fouls that way, and it it gets you easy points. Um, It helps your defense also, because it means that, you know, and this is a terrible defensive team, especially in transition. But um, when you're at the free throw line, that allows your defense to get back and hopefully get set. It doesn't always work with this team, but that's kind of generally what you're hoping for. Slow a team down. Uh, you get you have the chance to get the other team in foul trouble, too. But that's one area where he's gotten a lot better at. I and mean, we have talked about some of the, the places this season where he has not improved. But the big thing for him has been the free throw shooting. And last year, I think he was at three and a half free throw attempts per game. This year, he's right up around six. And in a game where they're playing against Joel Embiid and, and James Harden, two of two guys who draw fouls like crazy and can live at the free throw line, uh, he outshot both of them combined. I mean, those two combined to take 13 free throws last night. Green himself took 17 and he made 15 of them, which is also important because, you know, he hasn't necessarily been shooting it well once he has gotten to the line this season. So, you know, for him, you're not, the shots aren't going to fall. That's just how this game is. You're going to have nights where everything drops. You're going to have nights where nothing drops. You're going to go through stretches where nothing drops, but, If you're going to have the ball in your hands as much as he is, you have to find other ways to get your points. Getting to the free throw line is a good way for him to do it because let's be honest, nobody's going to be able to stay in front of him. Like he's he's too quick. You know that first step, that second step, that third step. There's very few players on the planet who can stay with him. So if he can get to the rim and he's gotten stronger to where he can draw contact and absorb it and get some calls, that's where he's got it. That's where he's improved. I think the most this season.
0: Yeah, where I want to see him improve, Adam, is is the finishing, and obviously the shooting, as we've talked about, is not great, has not been great. The jump shot needs to be better, and, and I feel like there has been improvement. I just feel like that we need to see more, but finishing in traffic and finishing at the rim, um, in traffic with contact, through contact, playing through contact and all of that, I think it's something that he could stand to improve on, and once he does, he's going to be really, really tough to cover, but I just think this is a really important time in in sort of his development. Like, I know that he's been given the keys to the franchise basically since he was since he was drafted. But post Eric Gordon, with Eric Gordon being gone and it sort of being officially the change. I feel like it's like officially the changing of the guard and kind of a real important moment like we're. Where it seems like this is like a nothing time of year for for the Rockets. They're just waiting for the offseason, waiting for the draft, waiting for free agency, wait, maybe waiting for the James Harden reunion and all of that. To me, this is this feels like an important time for Jalen Green to figure some things out toward the end of the season, sort of like he was last year. Like, do you, would you agree with that, that this is sort of a a vital time for him in his development?
1: Um, I don't think necessarily the final games of the season are because I think as you learned last year, the things that happened the last month, last few weeks of the year don't matter a whole lot just because the teams that you're playing against aren't necessarily trying. The big thing for him is the summer. And when you put what you work on this summer, what you focus on this summer, the work that you do in the gym, I think that's, what's going to matter more than anything that happens over these last, however many games that they have left. And uh, I do think that, you know, he's, he's got to add some weight. You know, he did that last, um, you know, he, he did that last summer, uh, last offseason coming into training camp. So that's one area where he's going to have to really work on. But you mentioned the finishing. That's one area where he's gotten worse at this year. I mean, he was – now part of it is that he's taking more shots at the rim this year than he did last year. But last year he was 55% from the restricted area. This year he's 51%. I mean, that's one area where he has to get better. And it really puts them in a bind defensively when you're missing shots at the rim because – it's harder to get back when your guard who's supposed to be at the top and he's supposed to really help out your transition defense when he's under the basket and the shot misses. Well, now the other team has a head start and you really oftentimes you only have one guy back. And so it throws off your floor balance. It's a big reason why um, they have been so, I mean, there, there are a number of reasons why they've been bad in transition. Um, But when one guy is under the basket and behind and immediately starting out behind the play it makes it really tough on your transition defense especially when the rest of your guys aren't really getting back so finishing at the rim is one area that he's really gonna have to improve on
0: yeah for sure man and as far as like the end of the season man i i just want whether it's in season or whether it happens in the off season and he obviously needs to do all of those things that you mentioned in the off season about getting stronger and and, and everything that affects how he's finishing at the rim but I, I would like to see him learn from games like the, you know, the Sacramento game where they lose there at the end with the Eric Gordon foul. And he's throwing, you know, they're throwing the ball away. He was excellent in that game, right? 40 plus points uh, right there until the very end. And then of course the, the way that Miami game ended, like kind of like heartbreaking, what would be heartbreaking if the games mattered a little bit more and would, you know, I guess probably is a little bit more heartbreaking to them being involved in the games, like moments like that, you like to see them be able to respond and, and, and at least take something away from, you know, in, in real time. Like, that would, that would be great. But I want to switch to defense, though, since you've mentioned it a couple of times already now. And, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday night. They're going to play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday. They... <laughs> Man, the last time they played, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say they gave up 153 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder the last time they played, and then yes. they prompt, they, and then they promptly gave up what felt like a thousand points to in back-to-back games to the Kings. If I have that sequence right, I'm going off the top of my head there from memory, but I feel like that's exactly what happened. Like they gave away, they gave up like hyperbole here, like a million points in three games. What is what it felt like. The defense is taking a the plunge, they're not a good defensive team to begin with. But I don't know, man, it feels like it's even worse. I was reading Jonathan Fagan from the Houston Chronicle, long time, obviously, long time, uh, Houston Rockets beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. And he mentioned that this game was so bad the last time they played Oklahoma City Thunder that their point, Oklahoma City's points, second quarter points. First half points, third quarter points, field goals, field goals attempted, offensive rebounds and assists were the most for a Rockets opponent this season. And they had played well against Oklahoma City in, in prior games. Uh, another note from Fagan is that the Thunder score, this is from, from the Chronicle, the Thunder scored so easily that they would have outscored the Rockets even if they did not attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. And that was with the Rockets scoring 40 44th quarter points with the benches cleared. Like the, the defense, what, what is it, is it worse? Is it just as bad? And it, and, and it's just being highlighted in some, some, I guess, some key moments toward the end of games. Like what, how would you, how would you summarize what the Rockets look like defensively right now? So it is worse, but,
1: the whole league is worse defensively. So when when you compare the Rockets' defense to the rest of the league, they've actually gotten better. Last year they were 30th in defense. I think this year they are 28th, 27th, something like that, 29. I mean, they're not 30th this year. So they're not the worst defense in the, in the NBA, but they are worse. I mean, they're worse in the half court. Obviously their transition defense has been worse. I mean, it, it's a bad defensive team. And, again, a lot of that has to do with youth. And – you know, it is it is a team that that got younger uh, over over the course of the season. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's going to get a whole lot better. But you just look individually. Uh, Jalen Green has not been good defensively and his effort has been spotty, I guess, would be a good way to put it. Um, Jabari Smith Jr. will have his moments. You know, he's he's been decent just when defending the ball and defending a man. But in terms of, you know, team defense hasn't been great. Um, And they they were missing Jay Sean Tate for much of the year. That certainly didn't help. And then there's kind of the other aspect of it. Alper and Shingun's minutes have gone way up. Not a very good defender. I think that we can both agree that he has not been good defensively. And he he is a problem, not, not just with... His play, but just kind of the style that they have to play, where they are very predictable defensively because they can't. They they only feel like they can play one way when he's on the floor, and they've experimented with a couple of things here and there lately. But you know, it's, it's just there's no reason to think that this was going to be a good defensive team. But I, I think what's been alarming has just been the effort and how the effort just hasn't always been there, uh, and the transition defense has just been atrocious. I mean, it, it's been embarrassingly bad, and part of that is you know they focused on crashing the glass and being an offensive rebounding team. Well, when you do that, you're giving all these young guys permission to sort of hey, you know what? I have a choice. I can either sprint back on defense or I can try and go for the ball and get an offensive rebound. And the young guys are always going to choose, you know, go for the offensive rebound and that has really hurt them when it comes to the transition defense. So, um it uh it, it's been a struggle. It's not a surprise that it's been a struggle, but I think individually that's where it's been a little concerning especially with green because i think that you were hoping that he would be better on that end of the floor and maybe it just it's been the effort more than anything else that i think would be concerning on a night in night out basis you know they i thought they defended pretty well against miami on friday up until the last minute of the game where all of a sudden i mean they gave up 39 points in the second half in miami on friday nine of those points came in the last 51 seconds so they went 23 minutes in miami and only gave up 30 points, so that was good. I, I thought at times against uh, the first half against uh, Philly, they were okay. Usman uh, Garuba played really well, especially against Joel Embiid. And in the third quarter, they really struggled defensively. So it's uh, it, it's a very incons. They're very inconsistent defensive team. They are inconsistent in terms of how they play. They're inconsistent with their effort as well.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Only the San Antonio Spurs and Detroit Pistons have a worse defensive rating. Um, from what I can tell, um, so th- they're toward the bottom, uh, nearly at the bottom, and it's it's just really bad. Um, <laughs> I think about it, man. Like with Jalen Green. Well, you, you were talking about the before I mentioned Green. You were talking about the transition defense. You and I were were discussing this amongst ourselves. That I guess that was the most recent that that Kings game. That man, they it's not even just transition like off of a miss. They're not getting back off makes you talk about Mm -hmm. effort. This is kind of just speaking to that, to that point. And, And maybe we've hit on this before, but I want to reiterate it again, since we're talking about the defense, like they're not getting back off of makes. And, and, and that's, I mean, on any level of basketball, that's inexcusable. Like you talk about them being NBA players, like any organized basketball team, it, it, that does not stand for that. Like you get back on defense off of when the, when the, uh, when the opposing team is catching the ball out of the net, they should not be beating you back. They should not have numbers off of make. So that, that is one thing that's that sort of bothersome watching them. It's like, Hey, I mean, wake up, you know, wake the hell up, stop ball, like the basic things. You, you've pointed out that play a couple of times, both on this podcast and on the radio on sports radio, Six Ten, going back, I guess almost a couple of months now when they played the Spurs and Trey Jones uh, just goes right down the middle of the court. And I, I don't feel like we've seen anything quite that egregious. Uh, I have the right Jones brother, right? Trey, yeah. Trey Jones with uh with the Spurs goes right down the court. I don't feel like we've seen anything that egregious where just nobody makes an effort to stop the ball, but it, it's, it hasn't been a lot better. Um, and, and so that's a thing where, you know, like you talk about development and and the the rebuilding phase. Like, I, I'm curious to figure out exactly what's going to fix effort and intensity and, and things that are required for a team to be good defensively. Like, it's one thing for losing to take a toll on you, but to completely check out defensively, knowing what type of team you are, knowing how good defense could fuel your offense, you, you, you're not a good team. Like, you're just not a good team overall. They don't shoot the ball well. So you would feel like a, a a a high effort, a high-intensity effort on defense would generate some sort of offense and some sort of momentum and energy for this team. So it, it it's a little bit disappointing when you consider the, the, the pitfalls of the team, all of the holes that it has, and how much def, just defensive effort could help them.
1: And the other problem that they run into also, if you play fast against them, They just, they they can't keep up and it's hard for them because again, they're so young. It's hard for them to a lot of times process a lot of stuff. And so there was, there was one play against the Kings. uh, And this was off of a made layup um, uh, with the Aaron Fox towards the end of the third quarter. And they, they're down by five and they actually do a pretty decent job of getting back, but they can't get matched up. And Darren Fox is so fast and he plays with such pace that they can't get matched up. Then You have Trey Lyles over in the corner and because they can't get matched up and they can't recognize who's supposed to be guarding who Trey Lyles just cuts to the basket and it's an easy dunk. So those are the other things. So uh, this time they actually did a pretty good job of actually picking up the ball and stopping the ball, but nobody paid attention to anybody else who was on the floor because everybody's focused on the ball. So a lot of that is communication. A lot of that is just processing things quickly and they're just not up to speed with that. And again, that's part of just everybody on the floor is incredibly young and you would hope that that gets better with experience, but this game moves so quickly at this level and in the passing is just at a whole other level and everything happens so quickly that if you're a step behind, you've got no chance. And that's really where they are right now is just that they are, it seems like they are one step slow way too often. And some of that has to do with effort. Some of that just has to do with processing speed at at this point. And you would hope that that gets better over the course of their careers, but right now it's, it's just not there. And frankly, it probably isn't supposed to be there at this point.
0: I don't know about effort and defense, but someone who I think would help them with processing, basketball IQ veteran leadership dare I say is their most recent opponent and again we're recording this on Tuesday night their most recent opponent was the Philadelphia 76ers where one James Harden when I don't have his stat line in front of me but he went for like 29 and 10 or something like that 28 and ten it was it? 28 and 10 and the guy is just still really, really excellent at basketball. I mean, he's not nearly as explosive and as dynamic as he was when he played with the Rockets. And we're going to talk about this a hundred times, uh, probably throughout the offseason. But did did it feel like whenever whenever they play? And I don't only get to play twice a year with him being in the East now. But does it feel like whenever you watch the Rockets? play against james harden that he's basically just everything that they're lacking like what he offers as a basketball player is essentially everything that they're lacking from playmaking to shot creation to uh to the obviously the three-point shooting basically everything except what we would probably characterize as effort and defense it was not things that are synonymous with james harden um but even there i think he would be better than a lot a lot of what you've seen for the rockets defensively uh does it does it feel like that whenever you watch them uh sort of head to head
1: well i mean obviously because they don't have anybody who does well you know i shouldn't necessarily say that because um harden was pretty bad against them uh in december and he was just coming back from a yes. foot injury yes he um, was that's but, true it, it just stands out how much they missed Kevin Porter Jr. And Kevin Porter Jr. is kind of supposed to be that guy, and he hasn't been able to play. So um, I think if you have Porter, this thing looks a whole lot differently because he is a guy who can get to the rim and create shots for other people, and they just don't have a whole lot of that right now. But, yeah, it's clear um, James Harden would help them. And if they were to – if, if they're, they've they got some cap space, um, and Rafael Stone, as he said on Friday, they – They will probably wind up having more cap space than anybody in the league. And so they will have the ability to add a a free agent and James Harden is a free agent. I think that they will certainly explore that possibility of bringing him back. I don't think that, uh, I I think that he would certainly be interested in a reunion as well. And it makes way too much sense because frankly, they need somebody like that. They need somebody who can just elevate them because will will they win a championship if they bring back James Harden? Probably not, but, you know, that's not what that's not the that's not the curve that we're grading on at this point, because right now they are they are staring back to back 20 win seasons in the face. So you can't win a championship unless you win, you know, more than 20 games. So, you know, you can't you can't walk until you can crawl. And right now they're kind of in like the scooting part of uh, of their uh, infancy. So, yeah, I mean, they they need something to make them competitive. And James Harden would make them somewhat competitive.
0: Yeah, I I think it's fascinating that it's just the whole you know we've reached a point now where the grass is not has not been greener on the other side at least in in James Harden's first stop And, and obviously the Rockets have gone through what they've gone through since he's been gone they've been the worst team in the league but it the one thing about it that is weird is it not weird or awkward to you that this is this flirtation with James is happening with Harden is happening in the midst of the 76ers actually being competitive and a possible Eastern conference contender. Like that's the only part of it. That's weird to me. Like they could win, they could lose and he could still decide to to leave either way, but it's not like he's still in Brooklyn or, or like he's playing for the Hornets or somebody like that. Like he's playing on a competitive team with a, with an MVP candidate, one of the top five players in basketball right now as playing co-star to that guy and we're having this flirtation of james harden coming home to the rockets where they can't win over 20 games like it's an it, it's just is kind of an awkward vibe for me uh that that this is that this is kind of out there and everybody everybody it's like the worst kept secret in basketball or at least in rock in you know in rockets world that this that this is something that's realistic that could happen even while he's on a team that could compete for a championship.
1: Yeah, I would not have thought it would happen two years ago, but I mean, a lot changes in two years. And I do think that he kind of understands just he does miss Houston. I think that he misses the city. I think he misses the weather. I think he misses a lot of things. And so um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I would not have thought, you know, it would not have shocked me if he left Brooklyn to go back to the Rockets, but it would be somewhat. I would have been surprised if you would have told me that he's going to leave a Daryl Morey team for the Rockets, just because I would have imagined that Morey. I would have figured that Morey would have taken care of him with the contract. But you know, if if he would have played better last year, if he would have been healthy last year, if he would have played at a high level, then I imagine the Sixers would have given him that max instead. He took a pay cut and he only signed what will likely amount to a one-year deal. So that kind of changed things. And I think that changed the equation for a lot of things. But I do think that if he would have been James Harden, the guy who got to Brooklyn originally, and he would have played at that level, then I don't think there's any doubt that he would have gotten the max from Philly, but it just wasn't there. And a lot of that had to do with just how he played last year and just his health.
0: If it does happen, Adam, if they, if they do pursue James Harden and he comes back and all of that, they do the reunion thing. Does that effectively end the Kevin Porter Jr. era? Or is there like, and I know we've kind of discussed a little bit here on this podcast that we could see down the line at some point, them trading Kevin Porter Jr. But is that, does that basically mean the same thing? Or am I misreading that?
1: No, I mean you need. It's not like James Harden is going to come in and play forty minutes a game. I mean, I think that Kevin Porter Jr. can very easily come off the bench for you if that's what what they want him to do. Um, the contract though is very tradable because only um, only the first year of his contract is guaranteed. So if they feel like you know they they want to move on from him, it's not the hardest contract in the world to trade because if you are um, if you're the team that might be trading for him, you've got some protections with that contract. If you're not totally sold on him, so I, I don't, I don't think it ends the era. By and also, let's not forget, James Harden and Kevin Porter Jr. are very close. I mean, the, the, those two have, have a, a really good relationship. Uh, I, I think that Kevin Porter Jr. tell you that you know James Harden's a guy that he's idolized in his career. Left-handed, just like Harden. When when Porter scored fifty uh, against uh, Milwaukee a couple of years ago, it was Harden the one tweeting about it. So I think that those two are are, are very close, and I, I don't think that for I don't think uh, if Harden were to come back that closes off anything with, with Porter, and and I do think that they would need Porter to come off the bench if anything, just to really help out that off, help out the offense or uh, that second unit. So I we'll see how that how that works, and obviously a lot of things have to happen before we can even get to that conversation. But no, I don't think it ends the Kevin Porter it ends the Kevin Porter Jr. as your starting point guard era, but I don't think that that ends anything else.
0: Yeah, glad to hear that actually, because I think that Kevin Porter Jr. would be better served and would better serve a team in a role like what you describe as perhaps a six man, maybe as the the catalyst for your second unit, somebody that can sort of uh come in come in there and, and give you and, and give you something off the bench. So uh I'm 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 actually a fan of that scenario. Um I really only asked the question because I think of how Kevin Porter Jr.'s status within the organization has been elevated. Since his time's been here, and I always wonder about the interpersonal dynamics of how that works. Not but not necessarily between him and James, but him and the organization and sort of taking a backseat from going from being their best player in the dog years to James Harden comes back and now he's the sixth man. Like I, w- I would just wonder about the you know, if like whatever level of ego, and I don't I'm not saying that Kevin Porter's junior's ego is outsized that he wouldn't that he would be above it or anything but it it would be an interesting change in roles and and sort of uh sort of trying to having to take a little bit of a back seat um which would, would be an interesting sight but i think would be a good thing for the rockets if they uh if they obviously added a a more traditional type of point guard uh whether that be harden or whoever it is you know um and then let kevin porter jr actually be kevin porter jr which i think could be really good in a uh, in a reserve role before we get out of here wanted to just update since it is a news item that kj martin the i talk about worst kept secrets we've been knowing that kj martin was going to be in the dunk contest what it feels like for like a month or two already and it was finally officially announced in uh or by the nba i should say all i really got on this adam and i know you i don't know this isn't like a big news item for you but all I gotta say, man, and, and we should note also, it's not just Kevin Porter Jr. that's, or I should say, uh, KJ Martin that's participating. But you're gonna have Jalen Green, Alper Shangoon, and Jabari Smith Jr. all competing in the Rising Stars competition. You're gonna have Jabari Smith Jr. in the Skills competition, and as we mentioned here, KJ Martin in the Slam Dunk com- uh, competition. I think that's, I think that's the the list, uh, the, the 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 straight of it, basically. All I got on this man is that I hope that he avenges the Jalen Green experience from last year. I'm not gonna beat the table like I did last year for for Jalen green. I said he was gonna win it going away and he was easily the the biggest dud in the uh in the in the dunk contest last year, hoping that k j martin was paying attention and goes with the dunks that he knows. Uh, so as to not waste our time, or to waste whoever's time is going to be watched. I, I'm going to tune. You don't seem like you're going to be down for the dunk contest, but I'm going to tune in for it. Uh, probably whether KJ was in it or not, but but especially with KJ out there uh, competing.
1: Yeah, it's not exactly appointment viewing for me. If if I'm told, hey, you got to write about this, and I guess I'll write about it. But it uh, it's not something that I'm particularly. Worry I hope he does well. I, I would like to see him do well. Um yeah. it can't be any worse than what Jalen Green was last year. That's the big thing. I, I got excited for the Jalen Green dunk contest, and that turned out to be a big dud. So I'm not gonna get yeah. I'm not gonna to uh, excite myself about this one quite the same way. So Jalen yeah. Green ruined it for
0: me. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. Ruined it for me, man. And and like I guess the way I view it, uh especially from a rocket's perspective or point of view, is that it's a real cool opportunity for rockets players who are not for good reason featured prominently around the league they don't have a lot of nationally televised games they're they're not even what i would call an interesting league pass team like if you got league pass a rockets game, unless you're wanting to watch their opponent a rockets game is rarely one that quite honestly, that you should be checking for. Uh, I would totally understand if people just completely checked out of the Rockets, if they had no reason to be watching them. But KJ Martin is a joy. It is actually a joy to watch. And I wonder how many people actually know it. Uh, Not that you would get a good sense for his game and sort of how savvy of a basketball player he is outside of, you know, or, you know, within the context of of a dunk contest. But I would love for and and, and also he's Kenyon Martin's son so it's not like you know he'd be somebody you've never heard of, but I'd love for you know uh, you know, Rockets players in the midst of all of this struggling to at least have kind of this moment to shine and and at the very least highlight that there is some something brewing down here, even though it doesn't feel like it from a competitive standpoint. so so, so from that standpoint, just from from a representation sort of idea like you know an exposure you'd love to see KJ Bart compete well um but yeah I'm I'm kind of right there with you uh with especially with the way things happened with with Jalen green last year not something that I'm gonna super uh be, be super like excited about in terms of like hey he's gonna go out there and win this thing but we'll see what happens uh KJ Martin I think is a much better I Whoever's listening to this, who doesn't watch the Rockets, if 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 you've gotten this far into the podcast, I would I would <laughs> tell you to go check out KJ Barton's in game dunking. I feel like I feel like that'll be much more something that you could much more appreciate than him in the dunk contest. So, uh, so yeah. All right, man, we're gonna do this again later on in the week. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned, the Rockets are gonna play the Thunder again. Hopefully, they don't give up a thousand points again like they did the last time. Uh, they're going to do that on Wednesday night. They've got the Golden State Warriors on Friday. We'll talk between now and then. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure y'all are rating, reviewing. Look, really write reviews, write reviews and rating like that helps us in like the searches and and the the, the discoverability of the podcast. If I can, if I can create a word or or impose one there. So make sure y'all are doing that. Um, like i said we'll talk to you guys in the next couple of days shout out to austin mendez for handling everything behind the scenes and until next time y'all be good